1: Two two five two seven four one six zero seven, 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's word. Today, Master,
0: Savior, I have come to seek How are you responding to the details of life? When I say the details, I'm talking about the hardships, the struggles, the indifferences, everything that comes across our path on a daily basis. How are we responding to each one of those details? Are we responding right? Or are we responding wrong? Because one thing we've realized, or we will realize, and we talked about Wednesday night, is this. Our response can either result in liberty or bondage. You see, the right attitude, the right response is key. And Wednesday night we looked at eight keys of how we should respond, having the right attitude, which I'm not going to revisit this morning, so go ahead and get them. Listen to them through the website. Log on to our website. You can podcast them right to your iPhone or to your, to your iPod and different things. But here's the conclusion that we came to on Wednesday night, and that is this. Our response has to be right Because it determines the course or the pathway of our lives, it determines how we grow, and it determines how we're going to make it through. One of the points that we discussed Wednesday night was this, no matter how good our response is and how good our attitude is, there's some things we cannot change, but the right response and the right attitude will bring us through. Come on, I can have a great attitude and love God, but it may still be raining outside, Come on, but God's going to bring me through that rain, and God's going to bless me. So we've seen all these kind of things, so it's making it through, because as children of God, we believe that God's word is very clear, and it tells us that we're going to make it. On the screen, there's a statement that Clarence Stone said, and I think it's a great statement. It says these words, There is very little difference in people, but that little difference makes a big difference, for that little difference is your attitude, and the big difference is whether that attitude is good or bad. This morning I want to talk on the subject, here's the title of our message this morning, Don't Tear Your Clothes. Don't Tear Your Clothes. Turn with me if you would to Leviticus 21 and verse 10. Leviticus 21 and verse 10 and read with me this verse. While you're turning there, it's interesting to note that Leviticus is one of those kind of books that most people like to skip over. It's not an easy reading book. There's a lot of ceremonial ritual. There's a lot of do's and don'ts and this and that. It's kind of hard reading as Moses led by God, gives the instruction of the ceremonial laws and the sacrifices and all these different things. But one thing you've got to realize is the book of Leviticus is showing us the link that there is between holiness or God and how it can work in our everyday lives. How, God can imp- how we can connect with God on a daily basis and how we can touch His very heart. So look at verse 10 with me this morning. It says this, He who is the high priest amongst His brethren, on whose head the anointing oil was poured, and who is consecrated to wear the garments, consecrated means set apart, shall not uncover His head nor tear His clothes. Let me read that one more time. He who is the high priest amongst his brethren, on whose head the anointing oil is poured, and who is consecrated to wear the garments, the priestly robes, he shall not uncover his head, nor shall he tear his clothes. Before I explain this passage, turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven through nine. Second Corinthians four, verse seven through nine. It says this, "But we have this treasure." In earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8, stay with me today. We are hard pressed. Anyone know what I'm talking about right here? We're hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. New Living Translation says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Do I hear an amen? But we are not crushed and broken. Let's read on. We are perplexed, but not in despair. New Living Translation says we may be perplexed, but we don't give up and we don't quit. Verse 9, we are persecuted, but not forsaken. Listen to what the New Living Translation says. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. Do you ever feel like Satan's hunting you down? As just You're just hunted down no matter what you do. It just feels like you're hunted, like you're a target that he's after. But what does it say? Never abandoned. Let's read on. We are struck down, but never, but not destroyed. New Living Translations say we may get knocked down, but we're going to get up again and we're going to keep on going. Do I have a witness in the house today? Listen, if you would, to these few verses from the Message Bible. And this is what the Message Bible says. It says this, If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there is not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we are not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battled by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what we will do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God has never or has not left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't. Being broken. As children of God, we're not immune to problems. Give your life to Christ and you'll never have a problem. Listen, we need to preach the whole gospel and the truth of the gospel. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. Give your life to Christ and you'll never have any problems. But now we have the problem solver who's there with us that promises never to leave us or never to forsake us. So the problems will still come. But here's the difference. Our response as children of God, as priests of God, needs to be totally different. How we react to the circumstances and situations, come on, has to be completely different. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't tear your clothes. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, don't turn your clothes. In the passage of Leviticus chapter 21 and verse 10, Moses is instructing the religious or the regulations and the conducts for the priests of God. And he is specifically instructing those who are anointed by God to be the priests of God that they must never tear their clothes. We today are the anointed of God. I said, we today are the anointed of God. God has anointed every one of us to be His priests. That we are the priests of God. Meaning that God has called us through salvation, through us accepting Christ Jesus. We have become priests and heirs with Him. And now the Bible says that we are set apart. Come on, how many knows you're not the same person that you used to be? Come on, the things that you used to do, you don't do no longer. Why? Because God has changed you. There's been a consecration. There's been a set apart. And listen to me. If you haven't seen the total results yet, keep trusting God. Keep believing God. Because He that said, I will begin a good work and I'll be faithful to complete it. If you haven't arrived yet, I haven't either. Keep trusting God. But we today are set apart, we are sanctified for service unto God. We no longer, thank God, need an earthly priest to enter into the presence of God on our behalf. In biblical times, the high priest would enter into the holies of holies, that special place in the tabernacle, once a year. And he would go representing all the people of God, that he would go into the presence of God. And He would make intercession. He would go in on behalf of each one present. But today we don't have to have a priest that goes into the presence of God. We now boldly can approach the throne of God. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I can now come into the presence of God as the priest of God. And when I have a need, I can go straight to God. Aren't you glad about that? That I can walk straight boldly, the, per- the Bible says, that I can come with a confidence and say, God, I need your help. I don't have to go through a third party. I can go straight to God himself. Why is that possible? Because there used to be a veil. There used to be a curtain. There used to be a separation that separated God from man. But when Jesus died upon the cross, come on, when his body was lifted up, he said these words, if I be lifted up, he said something will happen. He says, I'm drawing mankind back to me. And as he was lifted up, Upon a tree and as he hung there to die, he cried out these words, it is finished. What was he saying? Not only the curse and the bondage of sin is broken, but he was saying the separation between God and mankind has been abolished. And the Bible says that the veil of the temple was ripped in two. And can I tell you, it wasn't ripped from bottom to top. It was ripped from top to bottom. Why? Because if it had been from bottom to top, it would have to have been done from the earth. But God did it from heaven. Come on, He put His hands down and He ripped it from the top. That man would never be able to say, well, it was done by human intervention. It was God. It was God. Why? Because he never intended for us to have a high priest that we would have to go to. He intended always that man could come straight to him as priests. Well, Pastor P, why did we have a high priest then? Why did we do all this? That's sin. Come on, sin causes a lot of problems. Sin is a separating factor. But through the high priest, thank God, we see Grace. Because the Old Testament high priest was a type of the New Testament high priest, our Jesus Christ, who made a way that we now are priests and heirs with Him. So now you and I can live daily in the presence of God. It means when I'm driving in my car, come on, God's there with me. That means having the presence of God with me. When I walk into my work or into my school or into the Walmart or wherever I might go, come on, I take the presence of God with me. Because God promises to be there with us. Okay, Pastor P, so what does that have to do with don't tear your clothes? Let me show you. We're not going to turn to this scripture today, but if you would and um, read it for yourself when you get home in Second Kings chapter six and beginning in verse twenty four of that chapter, you will read of a siege that takes place against Samaria. As a result of the siege, in understanding a siege, an enemy would come and they would surround a city and what the first thing they would do is they would block off their water supply, they would block off their food supply, they would terrorize the city, that they would shut the doors and that they would have to be completely self-contained. And a siege could happen for years and years and years depending upon how strong or how much provision the city had within its walls. But what the enemy would do is they would literally starve the people into resistance. That they would starve them into surrender. That they would give up and say no more. Well, here in Second Kings is such a thing that's happening to the city of Samaria. As a result, the Bible says there's such a severe famine. How severe was the famine? It said that they sold a donkey head. Listen to this. A donkey head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. You got a donkey head, oh, I'll buy that. 80 shekels of silver. And not only that, a pint, listen to this, a pint of dove droppings was sold for five shekels of silver. It was so bad, the famine, that women were having an understanding that I'll kill my child today and will eat my child but you're going to kill your child tomorrow and we're going to eat. I mean, this is how severe the famine was. And one day the king is walking on the walls and he's looking and he's hearing the cries of these people. And the Bible says that because of what he sees, because of the terrible state and the desperation of his city, the Bible says the king tore his cloak. This is just one of many accounts in the Old Testament where people did such. Remember Job? Job had everything going for him. He was blessed. God had his hand of blessing upon his life. He loved God. He feared God. But one day Satan asked if he could come against Job. God gave him permission and Satan came after everything that Job had. In one day Job lost everything he owned including his children, the only thing Job was left with was his life and his wife. The Bible says that because of this devastation and disaster that had happened to him, that Job ripped his clothes. Tearing your clothes is making a statement to everyone around that there was no hope. For someone to tear their clothes, it was showing to those around that there was no hope, there was no outcome that could be favorable in this situation. It was damnable, it was over, there was nothing left. Nothing is going to change the situation I'm in. I'm defeated, there's no hope. The grief is too heavy to bear. The pain and suffering is beyond what can be handled. My life has been torn apart. I'm a tragedy with no solution. I'm in a trial of which there is no fixing. Someone who had torn their clothes was known as someone who was totally overwhelmed and in total desperation and despair with no way out. I pray that you see where we're taking this today. Back to Leviticus. So why would God command this of the priest? Why would God command His anointed never to tear their clothes? Here's why. Why? Because there must never be a time in our lives that we allow the desperation of the moment the pain of the suffering, the adversity that we're facing and in, and the perplexity to ever tell us that there is no hope in God. You see, to tear our garments as children of God is to say that those things are of greater significance or of greater power than your God. Hello, did you hear me? To tear your clothes is to say that God is not able. That There's no way he can bring me through. It's a statement that says God can't not handle it. He's unable to fix it. He cannot heal it. He cannot put it back together. A nursery rhyme says these words, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. You see, the problem was, Humpty Dumpty did not go to the right source. He went to all the king's horses and he went to all the king's men. He did not go to the king. Come on, there is nothing that our king is not able to handle in our lives. Come on, there's never a place where we need to be in total despair. Instead, we need to be in a place of total faith and trust. Others may do it. Others may do what, Pastor Pete? They may tear their clothes. But you're a priest of God. Come on, I said you're a priest of God. You're anointed. You're called. You have a place of destiny and power that God has put upon your life. You're a priest of God, which once again means you have access into the very presence of God. And in His presence, nothing is impossible. His anointing is upon you. His Holy Spirit lives inside of you to help you no matter what. No matter what? You better believe it. No matter what. My God is more than able. I said, my God is more than able. I told you today I came to encourage you. I told you today I've come to give you hope in your life. Listen to this. Moses later goes on to instruct the, peace, the priests rather, in this manner. He said to the priests, he said, if you do, tear your clothes and you step into the presence of God, you will surely die. You're going to die. We must refuse to act like the world through our trial. Our response has got to be right. As I said earlier, we're never immune to problems, but we must react and act in a different way. Come on, Psalms 34 verse 19. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. What does that mean? There's many things that Satan wants to throw at your life, but guess what? God has the end say in every passage and in every part. Remember John 10 verse 10, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, but God says what? Hold on a second. God says, I've come that you may have life. It's like that. Many are the afflictions, all these things, but God says, hold on, Satan, you've had your day, let me now have mine. Don't tear your clothes. It's not time to be in despair. You're chosen. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. God says this of every one of us. You're a peculiar person. Turn to your neighbor and says, I can understand that looking at you. A little bit peculiar. But that word peculiar doesn't mean strange in the fact of kind of weird. That word means that you are set apart that God has put a hedge all around you. Satan recognized it in the life of Job and he recognizes it in every one of your life. God has put a hedge. That peculiar person That's what you are. Come on, someone shout in the house this morning. You see, here's the difference. The world doesn't know how to handle it. The world, the world turns to alcohol. The world turns to drugs, the world turns to pills, tranquilizers. The world turns to relationships. They do whatever is needed, but only just to mask the pain. It never deals with the problem, it just deals with the circumstances. It never gets to the root cause, but yet it causes another root cause problem because now you're addicted. Now you're an alcoholic. Now you're in despair. Now you're, because why? The world does not have the solution. All the world has to offer is to delay the inevitable. But we as priests of God need to know how to come into His presence. And we need to come into His presence with our clothes on not with torn, tattered garments. We have complete access to God's presence. I said this statement Wednesday, and this is something that I have lived by in my life. I don't know how, but I know He can. There's been a lot of situations I've found myself in that I could not figure it out. Do I have a witness in the house? I mean, I just couldn't figure out, I tried, and if it was a financial situation, I had all these thoughts and all this, and I tried to figure out, still couldn't get there. If it was a physical, relational, whatever, church, whatever, all these things, I tried to come, but you know what, I had to get to that place and say, God, I don't know how. But then I had to end, but I know you can. I know that he can. We must remind ourselves of that. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him, come on, it's not time to tear your clothes. Come on, it's time to get into his presence. Come on, tell him, it's time to get into his presence again. It's time to get right where God's at. It's time to touch God. There is never a time or a place where we should find ourselves at a place of no hope. Oh, you may not have the answers. You may not know what to do. But that's okay because he does. God has got every problem that you could ever face, he's got the solution. Any question that you may not know the answer to, it's okay. God says, I've already figured it out, and I have your way of escape. God is able, God is able, God is greater. Come on, I'm ready to preach today. I'm ready to inspire. And you know what? I believe I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're responding to me today. I say, God is able. You need to hear this today. It's not time to tear our clothes. It's time to come into his presence and say, God, I know you're able to meet my need. I may be sick and the doctors may have told me there's no hope, but I'm coming into the presence of my healer and my deliverer. I may not have money in the bank and the bills are due, but I'm coming into the presence of the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The one who's the redeemer, the savior, the great I am, the everlasting father. How many knows it's not over till it's over? And come on, it's not even close to being over. What do they say? It's not over till the fat lady sings. Come on, she hasn't even began to warm up her vocal cords yet. Come on, it's not over until God says it's over. And can I tell you, it's not over. What Satan means for evil, what Satan meant for evil, God says, hold on a second, let me turn that thing around for good. You need to understand the passage of reference of this scripture. Joseph has been sold into slavery by his brothers. A boy who had a dream that he was going to be great, and he told his family, and they hated him as a result. It wasn't his dream, it was a dream that God gave him. He couldn't help it, but yet he was judged for that. They hated him. They sold him into slavery. He was raised up, he was broken down again, he was raised... He went through an awful lot of things. But this is the response that Joseph has when he stands before his brothers. And he says to them, What you meant for evil... What you meant for harm. Can you see how God was just setting me up to be in a position of deliverance? What was he saying? When his brothers were worshipping and bowing before him in Egypt, Joseph was second in charge. He was the prime minister to the most powerful man on the face of the earth in the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. God had set up. What Satan meant for harm, God said, hold on a second. Satan, you can have your day, but I'm going to take control of that day. Come on. Weeping may endure for the night, but God says joy is coming in the morning. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What Satan means to take us out. It's going to be a stepping stone that God's going to place us upon. That he's going to lift us up. Come on, he's going to raise us up. He's going to bless us. He's going to give us things beyond our wildest dreams. Have you read the small print under that verse? seen the commercials on TV, seen the big billboards. Don't believe everything you read on the big print until you see what's said on the small print. You know what the small print says under that verse? No exceptions. Nothing excluded. No blackout days. Why? Because when God says, I can turn it around, God says, I'm able to do that. Don't insult God. Don't insult God by tearing your clothes. We're never to live as those who have no hope. We have hope in God. But why the struggles, Pastor P? Why the hardships and the pains? Because your life is a threat to hell. Come on, God has placed a destiny upon your life. You're carrying a dream that is yet to be birthed. And why does all hell come out and attack you? Listen, it's a confirmation that God is getting ready to bless your life. Don't tear your garments. Listen to Psalms 121. It says, I will lift up mine eyes towards the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made the heavens and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall strike you by day. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out. And you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He neither faints nor is he weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives to the poor, weak, and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young man shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Come on, if you believe that in the house, begin to praise the Lord in this place. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You've got to understand today there's hope in God. You've got to understand that nothing is greater than your God. So how are you going to respond today? How are you going to respond to the details of life? Are you going to respond like the world, who perhaps knows no better? Or are you going to respond like a priest of God? One who's anointed. One who is set apart and sanctified. One who is called by God. We go back to Leviticus 21, verse 10. He was the high priest amongst his brethren. Listen to these words on whose head the anointing oil was poured. Anointed for service. Psalms 23, verse 5, the last part of that verse says, You anoint my head with oil, a cup runneth over. Surely in goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. As I close, Psalms 23 speaks of God being our shepherd. He uses the natural to show us of how he wants to be spiritually. How he leads us, how he guides us, how he instructs us, how he makes sure that every need and everything that we could ever need in our lives is provided. And it says in that passage, he anoints my head with oil. A shepherd would anoint the head of his sheep for two reasons. The first is, if you would look at a sheep, they only have teeth on, I think it's their bottom jaw. They don't have teeth on both. So when a sheep eats, they literally have to just bang their head to the ground how they have to eat and the rocks, and all the debris, and the rubbing as they're trying to eat. And what that would happen is sores would develop upon the head of a sheep. The shepherd would take that oil that he would apply to stop the flies and to stop the infection. He would apply that oil that would be a healing balm, but not only a healing balm, it would be almost like a lubricant to it, that it would be able to not feel the pain as it continued to eat. There's a second reason why the shepherd would anoint the head of the sheep. Because one of the biggest risks that a shepherd ran for his sheep in the middle of the wilderness was venomous, poisonous snakes that would be hiding in the thicket. And as a sheep came near to eat the grass, that snake would lash out and put its venom into that sheep, having deadly results as that sheep would die. And they tell us that the shepherd would put oil upon the heads of his sheep because the smell and the fragrance of that oil would repel every serpent and every attack that it had planned, that it would smell that smell. Come on, you've got to hear me today. It would smell that smell and it would not come close to that sheep, but it would slither away. Healing. Healing. Protection. Healing and protection. This morning we're going to do something as we end this service. As many as want to, I want to anoint every head with oil in this house today. Why do you want to do that, Pastor B? Because I want to anoint every one of you that you know today that you're a priest with God. We're not going to tear our clothes, even the the despair and the anguish that we find ourselves in. We're not going to tear our clothes. We're going to come into his presence with our clothes on. We're going to come in complete and whole. We're going to come in saying, God, I don't know how, but God, I know that you can. I know that you're able. God, you've set me aside. You've called me. You've destined my life. We're going to anoint today the priests of God. That we would once again allow His Holy Spirit to operate and move through our lives. That no matter what, we would never tear our clothes. But that we would cry out to God and that we would trust Him. If I could, could I have everyone stand to your feet today?